Welcome to Level Up Academy podcast, where we explore the diverse set of skills that can be applied across various industries and professions. Each episode will deep dive into the world of transferable skills, discussing topics like communication, problem solving, critical thinking, and more. Join us as we speak with experts in different fields and share stories of individuals who have successfully transferred their skills from one industry to another. Whether you're a recent grad, a mid-career professional, or someone looking to make a career change, this podcast is for you. So sit back, relax, and let's discover how you can leverage your existing skills to excel in any industry. Welcome to Level Up Academy podcast. This is your host, Dr. Leland, a serial educator, an opportunities designer, and a compassionate leader. Hello, Level Up listeners. Today, I have a special guest. I know I say special guest all the time, but she is a fellow educator and of course, an entrepreneur as well. Welcome to Level Up Academy. Introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Christine Jones and thank you very much for having me on your podcast today. I'm very excited to share with everybody my educational experience. Awesome. Welcome. So, hmm, I'm going to ask a lot from you today. (laughs) Uh, Can you tell me, just look back 20 years ago from today, what have you been doing since 20 years ago, two decades until today? Where are you at today? So that's an interesting question. So 20 years ago, the teaching style has actually changed a lot in 20 years um, because I've been teaching for 30 years now. So 20 years ago, I was, goodness, my daughter was very little. And so I was working in a special needs abilities preschool program. And I was a community preschool teacher. So I would go into different um, facilities and I would help them bring their children along that had special needs and also worked with the faculty there for the OTs and the PTs and the speech therapist. And then I would help culminate that whole package all together. Wow. Special needs. That takes a special person to do that. Like I can't even imagine. I taught K to 12 for about three years and uh, we use TPR. I don't know if you're familiar with TPR, which is like the total physical response, especially when you're teaching English to four-year-old Chinese, right? Like it's, it's, you need all the hands and the facial expressions you can get uh, for that enunciation, pronunciation, you know, and repeat after me. But I wanted to go back since you, you've done teaching for over 30 years, like how did you actually become a teacher? Like where did it start? Did you always grow up? Like when you were little, I want to be a teacher when I grow up. So it started when I was actually in kindergarten. So my sister was three years old. And I would come home, and I would teach her everything that I had learned for the day. So downstairs in our basement, we had a chair set up, and I had a blackboard. So I would write on the blackboard, and she would have to do um, different activities like scissors or whatever we were doing, coloring. So that's how um, it, it all started. Wow, kindergarten. And you're like, I think I want to be a teacher when I grow up. That's for sure, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. I must have really liked it because I did it every day after school. So it's something that just kind of, you know, stuck with me. Then as I was older, people would come up to me and ask me questions. So then I would answer 
the questions are going to help out other, other students. And so it, I think it just kind of evolved over time. Wow. Now, three decades. We're going to ask you another question that's like kind of a reflection. You've seen a lot of changes in the education as a whole, really. The ass, the students, the parents, the whole political environment, the needs for the students. And then, boom, COVID happened, right? What are your challenges from like 10, 20 years ago, 30 years ago till today? So my challenges have changed because my some of the areas where I was teaching. So I started off in a private school. So a private school is different than a public school setting. I also taught in um, the special needs abilities preschool program. So that again would be different. So what I did notice is that I, when I was teaching in the private school, five years later, I jumped back in and I jumped back into the public schools. It was like a culture shock. I was like, oh my gosh, I mean, the children have to do, they have to learn how to read their writing. I mean, we did some of that. It was just like, oh, that's an, it's enrichment. Then all of a sudden it was like, no, that's no longer enrichment. This is now what is expected of these, of these students. And so every single year you have more and more, like I would say, like pushed down. So it started off like, second grade, like we're pushing down second, third grade skills down to kindergarten now. Um, so it's, you know, you think, oh, kindergarten is so much fun. And, and it is. The children are, are great. They're, you know, they're loving and all of that. But it's, it's extremely challenging. So then when COVID hit, I knew that the expectations of a teacher are very high. Expectations of a student are extremely high. So what am I going to do to be able to bring them forward to their next step? So I was trying to problem solve. I knew that I was going to have to have an exceptional program. Because if I did not have an exceptional program, I was hearing the news. These children are not, you know, they're not making the grade. They're not doing this. I'm like, that's not going to be my class. So what I did is that I started to look at the most up-to-date research and the science of reading. And I, that's based off of 20 years of research. And I wanted to make sure that my children had a strong foundation. I had a, I was coaching, co-teaching, but really like coaching mm -hmm. another teacher. So we did, we delve dive, we, we dove deep into the science of reading and we did some professional development. Wow. And so, yeah. Wow, that's a lot expected for that. Now, do you like teaching more for the private school or more of a public school when it comes to special needs? Or maybe there's a pros and cons for both. Honestly, for special needs, I would say public school. Mm. Because, and the reason why is because a public school has to support the student fully. In a Catholic school, I shouldn't say Catholic school, but in a private school, it doesn't matter what denomination it is. They have to, they are, are not bound by the same rules and regulations. Yeah, they have their own um, agenda too, and they yes. have their own curriculum. Yes. Uh, what is the most challenging thing for you in the classroom when it comes to teaching the kids pre-pandemic and then now post-pandemic? So the most challenging thing, I think, is first of all with wearing the mask. 
Mm. I teach children and letters and sounds, and then you could see their their faces. And so that was hard for them to be able to understand what you were what you were saying. So when we did the online learning, it was really nice because they could they can see your face. Um, some of the some other challenges have been that our children are not exposed to anything. So um, think about a three year old. COVID hits. They're shut down. They're at home. They have never left their home at all. And they come into the school setting for the very first time being on their own. This is what we were having happen to our, in our educational system. So they had no background knowledge. They did not know anything about how to interact with anybody outside of their families. They had never left their houses. So you put them into a school situation where you're, you know, they have specials. They go to breakfast go to lunch and we're doing different things there with all of these people you know I I try to put myself in my students shoes it was extremely challenging so the social emotional you can just imagine what that would look like for our students the social emotional learning now needs to take a forefront because they don't they they need that security and they need to feel safe and secure in order for them to learn. So my job as an educator is to make them feel safe and secure. Yeah, that's a lot of empathy that you have to show because A, you already understand they're they're having hesitation to even go to school. And I think a teacher's attitude, demeanor, and the way they treat the kids really affects them in their adulthood even in high school right and that's why you have a lot of bullies and everything like that because when your children already feels insecure and then it just keeps compounding with homework and school and all the things that they have to do and the peer pressure that's a lot right what would you like your students to know about you that is relatable to their experience i would want them to know that valuing teamwork is extremely important to not only our classroom, but to going out onto their own and getting a job and working with others. So it helps foster leadership. It increases the problem solving. Students also enjoy school more because I've noticed if whenever we have that community, they're, they're happy. So as soon as they start going like, eh, it's about me, then I notice that we have a problem because it, they start to, they become more selfish. So it's always about giving back to our classroom community and how we can help support each other. So I have children that are cleaning up after themselves without being asked to do that. Not only the person that made the mess, mm-hmm. but other children will rally around that child and I'll see them, you know, helping each other out because they know that the janitor will have to pick pick that up. So it's Um, really being conscientious of others and showing empathy. So that's what I also teach for my students. So we have a very close-knit classroom. That's so nice. I, I remember growing up, we didn't have a janitor at all. We literally, after... After uh, 3 p.m., we have like a gardening class and everyone gardens. I am a serial murderer when it comes to plants. Even cactus I will kill. 
So I would have the boys who have crushes on me. And I'm like, okay, can you guys water my plants? You know, and and they would do it for me for my grade, and they could carry my books. Like that was so cute. <laughs> Thinking back, you know, in in, in elementary, like oh, they, are, they they thought I was cute, so they would like it was a privilege to carry my books. I'm like, oh, this just feels good because I don't have to carry this heavy book. And then we, after three o'clock, we would have gardening, and then some of the boys and girls that are taller, I'm always the short one. It would we would clean like wax the floor, clean the floor. You know, I mean, two hours is was part of our like um, responsibility class that we would clean and we do the gardening. And then here it's like, oh, we have a janitor and we have this, and people just leave their stuff. And I'm like, why? You know what I mean? You could save so much money if you just let the kids clean after themselves. You know, um, and it's also a good habit and discipline as you become an adult to really clean after yourself, right? Uh, I wish that they had done that. And and I don't understand. When did you guys stop in America, okay? The home economics class. Like, I love cooking. And I teach my kids how to bake and cook. But I'm like, I remember. My husband even said, I think we had home ec. But I don't ever show up. I just show up when I eat. I'm like, oh, you're bad. <laughs> so I remember having home ec. But that was a long time ago. Um, I don't know if they still have it or not. Because I teach... They don't have it. No. So maybe in some areas, I hope that they would bring it back because I think it's very, very important. I think so too. Like I remember having a home ec where we actually like uh, we do like sewing. Like we learn how to sew manually. We actually have projects on knitting. Uh, I remember cooking one of them and then gardening, even the boys, you know, the boys also do it. I'm like, imagine if we have done that, we would be much healthier. We wouldn't go to a McDonald's drive through, you know, because we're running out of time all the time. Right. That would be healthier for us. Sustainably speaking, it would be better. So I don't know when we stop. Honestly, we're all got lazy and like, oh, by the time you, I think when we're about 80 years old, it'd be like, think about your food and you're like, poof, in front of you, right? That's scary if, if you think about it, but it sounds like Star Trek to me, but that's what's going to happen, really. Now, I'm going to switch gear a little bit um, about you. Like, have you discovered your purpose in life? I discovered my purpose in life. So... My purpose in life, so it's kind of interesting because I've noticed that each year I kind of want to do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more. And I wasn't truly satisfied with what I was doing. So I know that I want to to pivot. I want to still give back to education. I'm going to be retiring in 2024. And I'm writing a book currently. It's called Creating Harmony in the Classroom. And that is where my next step is going to be, is helping other educators across the world, finding passion, their passion, with teaching and with helping their students. Support is important. A lot of, if you survey, and I know there's a survey out there for educators, uh, even the ones that I interviewed who are educators who pivot to create a business to support other educators, is that we don't have any support when you are pretty much like have a class you're like oh cool this are your curriculum this is what our expectations are these are the numbers you need to meet have fun <laughs> right i mean right. literally it's like a book in a box you have to figure out but these are little people that you know you're doing and that's the life that they have and the the ability for them to to learn is super important that's foundational 
right? And it, it could pivot to really hating school or really loving school or maybe at least, you know, surviving school, right? It's a big difference right. in those things. So I'm glad that you're there um, to support other other educators because it's so much needed. Now, do you have a lifetime career goal? Is that something like once you retire, you want to write a book? What was your book again? It's called Creating Harmony, Harmony in a Classroom. It was actually based off of professional development that I had created. And I ended up meeting somebody on Facebook and they said, do you, can you help somebody, you know, with classroom management? I was like, well, I can do it. I would like to start to do professional development. And so I created this Creating Harmony in a Classroom, professional development. And I started going, realizing just how many teachers were meeting. Mm-hmm. And when I linked in and saw all of these teachers that were leaving, and it, it broke my heart, and I wanted to help help other teachers. And then I realized I was getting great feedback off of this um, professional development. It was They were saying, oh, you're going to help a lot of people. This is great. And then all of a sudden I realized, wait, I have a product right in front of me that's going to be able to help a lot of people. So then that's when I decided to to take that professional development and turn it into a book. As you know, a book is always better than a video. So it has, it's the video is more of the shortened version of it. Yeah. I like videos because I can pause it. I also like books because I can reflect on it. Right. And I take notes, like notes, because I'm a kinesthetic learner and I'm old school. Like literally you'll see, I don't know if you can see, but I have <laughs> sticky notes. I'm old school teacher. I literally will like, okay, who was present today? And these are adults, okay? Like these are like my my bachelor's program and my master's students um, because I told them in my class, I don't give A's. But if at the end of the semester, if you get an A in my class, uh, not that you would need it, but just in case you need it and you can find me somewhere, I will give you... Um, um, what you call it? Uh, recommendations for life. That's what I always tell them. I will give you recommendations for life if you get an A. And they're like, "How do you know?" I'm like, "Do you know me at all? I have twelve of these for all of you people. You know, like hundreds and thousands of you. I have your name, and I know if you're an A student or not. So don't you lie to me." And they're like, "What if you get Alzheimer's?" I'm like, "Well, then you can't get a letter of recommendations by then." Um, but that's what I always kind of give my students. I'm like, push for yourself, you know, not right. that you need it, but maybe you you want funding for your business. And you're like, I don't know who would reference me. I'd be happy to. I know what classes I've been teaching and I know the summary. I'm like, I have way too many journals and way too many drives. I know what I said. Um, so that's uh, that's always my, my, my tell, right? Now, what about your career that inspires you to keep going? So what inspires me to keep going, honestly, is my students. The spark that they have when they learn new material and just seeing from their viewpoint what it looks like to be a student in my classroom. So the things that I teach, I can start to see that they're starting to take ownership. Mm those things and taking ownership of their learning and which is which is wonderful to see because I take them from them being really dependent on me to being able to do some things that are independent awesome how does that inspiration 
allow you to inspire others? Like, okay, now I inspired my students. How do I inspire other teachers? So you're inspiring other teachers to have them look through it, through, sometimes through a different lens. It just depends, like a lens of gratitude and a lens of appreciation for the job that we have because it's not an easy job. It's a very challenging job. Um, but if we look at it through that lens, it becomes where we get weighted down and we can't do another day. So if we take a look and we, sometimes we have to readjust ourselves <laughs> every single minute. Sometimes it's like, oh gosh, I need a better frame of mind. I need a better frame of mind. And then you go ahead and you reset, reset it. So that would be like something that I would. I just, that is so cool. I'm, I'm trying to, I'll tell you more about it after our, our conversation, okay. but I'm trying to put a summit and the theme that keeps coming up in all of my conversation is recharge in charge. Like after you recharge, now you're back to in charge, right? And, but you need a little um sometimes and you need a support system that will sometimes you you feel defeated. Like, yeah, you go, 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 go. And you're like the inspiration for people. But you're like, OK, but I'm not a robot. Like I literally will break down in a minute now if you say something to me. Right. Um, and so you need that group of people that huddles for you and said, Yay, Christine, you did a good job today. It's okay. You know, that student was painful. I understand. We don't know what's going through their their life right now, but um, don't take it so personally, right? You need that little chipper in your head that will tell you that other than yourself talking to yourself. <laughs> Sometimes you right. need that. It's kind of nice. Now, if I could remove all barriers and constraints that you face, let's say um, unlimited funds and unlimited people to help you, Right. Right. To create a project that would change the world, what would it be? And would you want to be known for that project? Okay, so I would want to have a different framework for education. So we've talked about empowering students and getting them to be able to problem solve and to be lifelong learners. So that, that is the goal. So how do we go about doing that? So um, in, the, in the school that I teach in, we, um, the children don't come in with a lot of background knowledge, just in general. Vocabulary is pretty low. So what I would do for the very first semester is introduce a lot of different topics, take them on field trips, let them experience different careers, and then write down vocabulary words that would go along with that as well as their thinking. And they could, they could add like little notes to it. So basically what it is, it's, it's brainstorming. And then the next semester or the next part of the year would be to take those ideas and then have them be able to pick the topic that they would like to and do an inquiry cycle on the different topics. And then also um, more flexibility with when they're doing their learning. So if you have a child, I'm thinking like, gosh, I don't want to get up and write first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. I might want to do math first thing in the morning. So because that's when I'm, you know, able to think more critically. So that's when I should be doing like some of those harder things. Or you might go, gosh, I just want to ease into the day. And I would really just like to write. So Having, having that opportunity as well as introducing the STEM coding 
um, and then the computer programming and bringing those down younger and also having foreign language. Yeah, we need that. Everybody in the world speaks two to three different languages. We barely make it to English. Oh, my God. It's so funny. I, I came to the United States. I didn't know how to speak English. English is my seventh language, but it's amazing. I, I'm like, I, I'm still trying to learn English, guys. I'm sorry. I just, you know, I'm still, I'm serious. I'm like, I can write because I can think about it and reflect it. But like, seriously, when I get mad, my accent just comes out and my daughter's like oh no turn around we didn't hear mom we're gonna go upstairs she's gonna be at it again you know because my kids are just like because i start yelling i'm like what and they're like oh that's a different language we gotta go like you know they just skedaddle somewhere else but yeah i think definitely foreign language is something that we need right it's it would be amazing to to bring it back i I do see some schools when i went to high school here in the united states I learned Spanish and my best friend was learning French. And I think they also offer German. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Spanish, German, and French is what they, they offer. Um, I think that was pretty cool. Diverse, you know. I mean, we probably, sh- we should literally learn Chinese too, honestly. For sure. Because Chinese knows how to speak English. We should know how to speak their, their language. But their alphabet is just like too many. It's not even funny anymore, you know. But it's something that at least beginners, you know, that we could definitely right. do. Um, before I end this yeah. conversation, I have one last question. Okay. I was watching an interview and he said, change begins within you. Use compassion to change your world and ultimately our world. So Christine, how do you hope to change the world? So the change begins within me. And I'm very aware of my thoughts and how my thoughts can turn into actions and how my actions can have an impact on others. So I want to make sure that what I am thinking is, is positive and that way I can lead a positive life and have that ripple effect other people amazing i love the multiplier effect definitely that's why when you give somebody something hopefully that somebody gives to somebody and it just goes in there i actually had that experience last week someone paid at starbucks for my drink and we lit i think it's like the guy told me it was i was the 15th car who did that so i wasn't about to like stop it so i'm like sure get the other guy's coffee um and that feels good i mean especially when you're that morning you're just trying to hustle to get the kids to school and you're like oh my god i need coffee and then you go to drive through and someone pays for you it makes a big difference it put a smile on my face even though i was so tired that day so thank you so much for your time today Thank you for being here today and hope that we can collaborate more in the future. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. I had a wonderful time and thank you again. Perfect. Thank you for listening to Level Up Academy podcast today. I hope you found this episode engaging and inspiring. We are open for consultation. We have classes and also we have free workshop monthly. Check us out at luabydocleland.com. If you would like your business to be highlighted, please email me at lua 
at levelupbydocleland.com. L-U-A at L-E-V-E-L-U-P-Y-D-O-C-L-E-Y-L-A-N-D.com. Until next time, stay connected and inspired.